Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On the X Podcast. Powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here is your host this week, along with my co-host, National Sales Director for Excel Boats, and good friend Dave Reynolds coming to us from West Jordan, Utah. And also today, Dave and I have a very, very special guest. Uh, we're actually recording this today at Neil's Barbecue in Dyersburg, Tennessee, and I have the owner, the master chef of Neil's himself, Mr. Neil Henry, here with us as our special guest today. I don't know about all that, Jake. Oh, I'm just an old cook, you know, just old barbecue boy, but uh, I'm going to see if I can help you out today. Man, well, we're glad to have you. We're going to talk some cooking here in, in just a little bit, but first, it's been a few weeks since we did this. Dave, what's been going on, brother? Ah, just, you know, beautiful spring day here in Utah. Things are greening up, it's getting warm, and it's snowing in the mountains. Eight <laughs> inches of snow at uh, Snowbird. In fact, it's powder day today. Unreal, middle of May. Just keeps on coming. Wow, you know, when I called you the other day and you and Jack were on your way out to the mountain, I thought, how cool yeah. is that? It's almost mid-May and you're still skiing in the mountains. But what's the temperature there in West Jordan at the office today outside Salt Lake City? Uh, you know, the elevation difference, uh, we're about 4,000 feet. The base of the ski area is about nine or so. So we're about, uh, you know, 5,000 feet in elevation difference. And that makes a big difference at 5,000 feet. So snow levels, obviously, this time of the year, a little lower. I mean, I could look up at the mountains. I could see snow uh, at about, you know, 7,500 feet or so is where it uh, probably the snow line. Uh, lower than that, it rains, and higher than that, it, as long as it's cold enough, it, it snows. I think they had rain a few days ago, but uh, they got snow, and now uh, with this new snow, they're projecting uh, July 4th closing. You're kidding. So, no, no, they just, you know, they announced last weekend that if they got just a little more snow, they could push it till July, and they got it. So, <laughs> pretty crazy. That is unbelievable. You know, that means, though, it's a, a lot of water, which we need in Utah. We're still sort of recovering from a drought. Mm -hmm. And um, and we will not have a shortage of water this fall um, in the marshes, which is great news. You know, the last high water year we had was, man, probably seven, eight years ago. And that was just phenomenal hunting. That was probably the best year in you know, the last seven, eight years, you know, so... More water equates to more ducks. So uh, the more snow, the more ducks. So it's a it's a win win. That <laughs> depends on your perspective. If you want some water, I guarantee you, we got plenty here. We will gladly give you. You bet, John Jay Paul. It's just the water has been unbelievable this this year so far, and ever since early fall, and through the winter, and now into the spring, we've kept a backwater on the Mississippi River the whole time. Thank goodness we're in the right business, boat business. <laughs> uh, absolutely, we're going to need one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need an XL boat. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it really, it has been great for business. But boy, it made duck hunting tough. And you know, I don't think it's affecting the fishing nearly as much uh, as it did our duck hunting. The problem with us, you know, was just the opposite of what you had out there. You guys had drought, and 
you know, you haven't had the bird numbers when you've got on them, they're concentrated, but they just, you know, it's changed their pattern a little bit. Here, during duck season, we had so incredibly much water, they were so dispersed. And now we're coming into spring, and, you know, Neil and I, before we started recording, we were just talking a while ago, and he was telling me that, he looked the other day, and what you tell me, we're over a foot, 12 inches? 12 inches above normal all right, Tom. Wow, and it's only the 10th of May. I mean, unbelievable the amount. Of, and we got an inch and a half last night at my house. It's uh, unreal. I guarantee you there are a lot of people here, Dave, that would be more than happy to uh, provide you with all the water you want. <laughs> Maybe people will be trading in their cars for boats. You know, we'll take a trade-in a car for a boat. Absolutely. That sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of them any way we can, right, brother? <laughs> But, you know, it really has been good for us. I mean, you were telling me the other day that we're already up this year over what we were last year, and it was a record year. So really thankful for, you know, how good the boat business is right now. Hopefully, we're Yeah, sales have been good, although, you know, it's a slow start, and I think it's industry-wide. And, um, you know, companies such as floor plan companies like Wells Fargo or, you know, they're a little nervous, but it, it's, it's weather-related cold wet spring nobody's selling boats nobody's buying boats it's uh it's just one of those things you have no control of um totally seasonal that's right you know, of course when sales are down slightly they you know, first thing oh the recession's coming and this and that and but it's it's a weather yeah weather related but uh you know we're, we're still doing well and our dealers uh you know, nice weather the last few weeks have really improved upon the turnover with dealers, and they're selling a lot of boats now. Yeah, I and mean, we've got it really, we had a long winter, it seemed like, and today, I mean, it's it's a little bit unseasonably cool. I think it was 69 on my truck when I pulled up in the parking lot, but we had 87 yesterday, so we're knocking on 90's door. Oh, yeah. And, and Tuesday morning, you know, for catch and release for our live uh, series that Jeremy and I do every Tuesday, I actually really early went over to Real Foot to do a little bit of scouting around because I thought we were going to record that afternoon and then he uh, had to go out of town on business for the Bass Pro Cabela's King Cat Tournament Trail. But um, I was really pleased to see the number of boats out on the lake. And uh, and then yesterday afternoon, about 5 o'clock, I um, got a text from uh, Randall Morris at Abernathy. He's one of their salespeople telling me that uh, he was out on the lake over on the shoreline where I'd scouted Tuesday morning. And he'd been on the water for about 45 minutes and they already had 30 big red air in the, uh, in the ice box. So nice. the fishing's really coming on strong here. And, uh, and that's a really good segue, I guess, to bring him why we decided we'd come today with, with Neil, you know, uh, for those of you that are, are regular listeners, you know, we try to hit different topics all along and, and try to stay relevant. And with fishing season coming in, we thought we wanted to maybe talk to an expert in preparing fish in a number of different ways. Now, Neil is going to try, Dave, to be really humble here. But let me tell you, his restaurant is Neil's Barbecue, but he is known throughout the entire uh mid-south the united states as a unbelievable fish cooker as a matter of fact i popped up at uh um, events you know 50 100 150 200 miles away from dyersburg to find neil catering them and it's never with barbecue whenever we show i mean you did a fish fry last week yeah yeah i did i did well actually i did two last week 
And I did one yesterday. I went over here to the retirement home. Got a bunch of little old ladies over there. I just love them. They love me, and I fried fish for them. So uh, we had a big time over there with them. So. Yeah. Fish is always prominent on your menu here, too. Yeah, you know, we do. We do. We, we, we've kept a um, fish plate on here, you know, for, yeah, well, maybe not since day one, but close. But but uh, we always have kept, you know, try to keep the fish in house. Yeah, when you were in the old, so actually, before I go in that, I'll give you a little backstory. So Dave, um, Neil Kane, he's a, he's a native of this West Tennessee, Mid-South area, just like I am, and he came to Dyersburg in 1987, man, 32 years ago. You believe it? It doesn't seem like it's been that long. And he set up a little barbecue restaurant in what had been a Waffle House restaurant, you know, complete with the, the breakfast bar, you know, not bar like food out, but where you sit down and order like at a diner. And what did it say, about 74 people? That's exactly what it said. It said 74 people. I can remember the sign on the wall. Because <laughs> a lot of times, it would be capacity. I mean, it was a big hit right off. One of the things, Dave, that I always loved and, and still love to this day, as a matter of fact, I wish we were in the main dining hall where you could see, but when you walk in Neil's, you know, he's a hunter, he's a fisherman. They're white-tailed deer mounts, duck, boar, bear, elk, you name it. He had it on the walls there. And so uh, I'd come back home to uh, Dyersburg in 19, oh gosh, 90 to stay, but 88 and 89, I was in here a lot, and I'd go in Nils every chance I got where we could talk about hunting and fishing. And then what year did you move here? I moved over here in 94. And this is about three times as big as your Waffle House location, isn't it? Yeah, every bit of three times, yeah. yeah. With the banquet room that we're in today. And right, that, that's right, yeah. And that's when fish went on the menu, I guess. It, it is. It is when we moved over here in 94. That's when we put it on the menu, and, and uh, it's been a hit ever since, so. Uh, and one of my older customers, I named the plate after him because he loved it so much. So we call it Mr. Charlie's Catfish. So. But now you do a lot of other different things around sure. the community, particularly when you're going out and doing events for folks. I mean, oh, yeah. You do wild game stuff and, and wild caught fish all the time. All the time, yes. You provide your fish, I'll come cook it. I'll provide all the sides for you. So, uh, but, you know, I do a lot of that. A lot of that. Well, Dave and I, we both really, really like to eat. So we thought it'd be good to talk to you today and, you know, hear about some of your recipes and you give us some tips along the way for preparing your catch, preserving it, you know, get what you do when you go fishing, if you're not going to eat it fresh and those kind of things. You know, when we start talking about frying fish, it's an international type thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we fry fish all over the world. and it. But when you get into the United States, I think it's really regional. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, it's kind of like barbecue. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's uh, barbecues are different in, in uh, different parts of the country, and and what they call barbecue in the north is not what barbecue is in the south. So, but you know, uh, and it's the same way with frying fish. Some use flour, some you know down south everybody likes to use a little cornmeal. I I like a little of both, so I go a two third, one third, you know, and uh, and I'm not afraid to put any spices or anything in my in, in, in my in my in my flour mixture. So, uh, so I, if you go two thirds, one third. Two thirds cornmeal, one third flour. Hey, absolutely. And and I like to use yellow corn flour, not white flour. I use yellow corn flour. But now we're going to talk about herbs. So with you know, West Tennessee is different from the Delta and Mississippi, or down in South Louisiana when you start putting different herbs and spices into your mixture. So, uh, and I'm just a salt, pepper, cayenne, garlic powder, onion powder. Uh, that's about me right there, you know, and just get a get a good mixture of everything where you can taste everything. So, uh, but 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 that's the way I normally do it. But 
you know, again, when you frying fish, that's just it's so it's so regional. We're gonna get into some specifics here in a second, Dave. You mentioned barbecue and all around the country. Do you have barbecue joints in Salt Lake City? What's barbecue? What's barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. So there yeah. are a few. There are a few. Few and far between. There's a few good ones, but no barbecue. We're we're out of the region of barbecue here out west. You know, there's there's a few barbecues that are popular. Uh, there's one that specializes in the dry rub, you know, Memphis style dry rub. Pat's Barbecue in Salt Lake. There's nothing around here in South Jordan. We tried one close to here and we went there once and that was the last time. So, uh, pork is not very prevalent. Some, but uh, not, not connoisseurs out here. Of, uh, <laughs> what about fried catfish? No, in fact, that's my boy's favorite dish. You know, my parents lived in Tennessee for a while and he'll never forget his birthday dinner. We went out and he ordered catfish and he got a whole catfish. And he ate every little bit of that fish. He was probably four years old. And now every year on his birthday, you know, Jack, what do you want for your birthday dinner? Catfish. So there's one place we go for catfish. It's, uh, they also serve uh, 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 crawfish, you know, shrimp, crawfish boil. Um, and it's probably about the only place in Salt Lake. Well, there's a Cracker Barrel here. You could probably get catfish there, but... Uh, no, catfish is hard to find around here too, but I love it. So, you know, fish is not a big, uh, you know, we're landlocked here. So, I mean, we get some fresh fish from the uh, coast, some salmon. and um, But as far as freshwater fish, I mean, you might find trout on the menu occasionally. But uh, no, you won't see catfish or, you know, warm water fish. I mean, I'm from Michigan and, uh, you know, we... You know, you go up in northern Michigan, and on the menu, you can see walleye or uh, perch, and, um, you know, I, I miss that. I bet. That walleye is hard to beat, isn't it? It is. I mean, what, in your opinion, what, what do you think, what's the best warm water? Oh, wow. I, I'm going to have to put walleye right in there in the top three or so. And, you know, around here, uh, crappie and, and uh, uh, ah, Dang, Jay Paul, what would you think? Man, you know, I, I agree. I think the walleye, it runs near the top, but in our area of the world, uh, crappie, some people call them white perch. Uh, if you're down in Cajun country, they're called sockelay. But I, I think right. that just the, the mild uh, flavor, the really great texture, crappie uh, and walleye are probably both king. Crappie is definitely number one around here. You know, bluegill brim right now, I mean, the big red here, he's yeah. really, really good. Any pan fish here in the south. Neither one of us mm -hmm. have mentioned sauber either. No, but that's so uh, good. No, that's, uh, oh, yeah, that's, man, that, yeah, that's really good. Related to walleye. There, yeah. there you go, Dave. I'm going to yeah. say walleye, crappie, and sauber are right there at the top three. Right. Yeah. I wasn't too far off. I'd, I'd like yellow perch, too. That's up there. We really don't get yellow perch down here. I mean, they're from their sunfish, just like our brim and our bluegill. So they're both very okay. similar. What we're going to talk about, since we've got some time here, about preparations on two or three different species. So why don't we... I want to interrupt real quickly, though, Jay Paul. You know, right after that, it would probably be carp. Carp would be my... <laughs> You're kidding, right? <laughs> no, actually, you know, when I grew up in Michigan, I used to fish out of this crystal clear stream. And uh, I used to catch carp, and uh, and we'd cook them, and firm flesh. I mean, they were good, but you know, they probably the the key component was it was a clear, um, you know, stream. Right. 
and yeah, you know, for a lot of bow fishermen out there going through a lot of pounds of carp this time of the year. So yeah, down here, no, I mean, no, you don't have any recipes for carp. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't have one. I promise you. Okay. <laughs> you, That's you know, good. Yeah, you probably wouldn't serve that at your. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't get much of a request for that at your restaurant, anyway. No, sir, not at all. I tell you this: you could find a way to prepare Asian carp and make it taste good, oh, though. Geez. I mean, and there's actually, and I haven't been there yet, but there is a restaurant. I don't even know the name of it up on the Tennessee River or Kentucky Lake that they actually offer. Um, it's fried Asian carp, but they call it Kentucky caviar. Really? And I, I hear it's very, very good. Well, I've eaten some. I'm, you know, I, Mike Hayes up the lake, uh, he sent me some one day, and it was fantastic. Really? Really? It really was. I was really surprised. Wow. I used to go to a place like the Ozarks and serve fried carp lips. Uh, but they really weren't carp lips. They were <laughs> onion rings. But that's what they called their onion rings, fried carp lips. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was kind of that's hilarious. Yeah, Dave, down here, man, you know, we see so many carp in, in like the Mississippi River and the Fork of Deer and, you know, in these uh, places where the backwater gets out and the water is just so unbelievably trashy and often smelly. Right. I, I can't imagine anything coming out of that really tasting good. Although there are people that love buffalo. Absolutely. Uh, buffalo ribs, that's a biggie. Yeah. I've fried them in here. Yeah. So we, we, uh, I mean, here in the South, though, Dave, uh, there are a lot of people that do eat carp. And uh, so you're definitely not alone. I'm sure that, um, you know, those Asian carp coming from Kentucky Lake, because that really is really nice water, very clean. You know, they, I'm sure they probably have a different flavor than the Asian carp coming from the famous Mississippi River. Uh, I would think so. Yeah, but uh, we, uh, you name it. I mean, I've seen people eat it around here if it's fish um you know i can remember i was fishing a few years ago uh i don't know if you know what a grinnell is some people call them bowfin uh i think actually that the proper name is bowfin, it is bowfin. yes yeah, yeah. or a uh, dogfish dogfish it's a dogfish dog okay. yes. right. a bowfin yeah, yeah i've heard of yeah. so i was fishing a borrow pit down by the river one day for bass a few years ago, and this place has a pretty good gum, nice bass in it. And I'm running a crank bait along when a big old grinnell or dogfish or both. And now, I mean, this was a five, six pound fish, oh, like you would oh. not believe. But I brought it in, and uh, there was this lady sitting there with her big sun hat on and <laughs> several cane poles stuck out in front of her. And she was sitting on a bucket that she kept dropping her fish in. And, and when I caught that fish, I'm with a buddy, I'm like, man, I can't believe this. You want to get a picture before I throw it back? And she comes off that bucket. She's like, don't you throw that fish back? <laughs> oh, no, son, you're not throwing that fish back. I want it if you don't want it. That's right. And she was so excited to get it, you know, and I was proud to put it on her table. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there are people down here that, of course, you could, you know, it's like frying is almost as good as wrapping something in bacon. Right. Absolutely. You know, you can wrap just about anything in, in, in bacon and make it taste okay. And frying is just a, you know, deep fried, you can do just about anything. But here, so true. I will say this, Dave, about this area, because, I mean, fried fish is so big here, and now baked and grilled and blackened are all coming on. I mean, every restaurant just about in town offers it on their menu in, in some form. And we have little food trucks now. You know, I've seen a couple guys right. sitting up, particularly on Fridays around town. Um, but to really, really prepare it right, 
it's an art. So um, unless you got a species you want to hear about, uh, Dave, I'm going to start with, with catfish or just fried fish in general. So the first question that I've got for you is this, and, and I think I know the answer to this question, which is pretty much universal in the South. A whole lot of the way that the fish turns out is related to the oil that you fry it in. Would you agree with that? Somewhat. What do you use? I use a vegetable oil. You know, all the other, again, we'll go back to that regional thing, but a lot of people use peanut oil. It's a blue ants, baby. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, but it's that is so common here, but I, I use a, a good, clean vegetable oil. One, number one, I like to use it and get rid of it. Yeah. Peanut oil, you're going to use it and, and keep it, actually. Yeah. You're, going to, you're going to filter it and keep it. And, it. and it keeps for a long period of time. The difference between the, period, the vegetable oil and the peanut oil is the flashpoint. The flash point on peanut oil is so much higher than it is on vegetable. Mm-hmm. So that's that's makes it a little more stable than the vegetable makes oil. Makes it safer. But I like that fresh oil flavor in fish because you don't have a taste of oil, you got a taste of fish. Yeah. And that's one reason I do it. That's but but other than that, you know when we here started cooking that fish, mm-hmm. you want a good, clean, dry fish. I like a dry, get it dry, pat it dry, get the moisture out of it. Where again, it won't break your grease down either if the water's out of the fish. So Gosh, just, I didn't know that. Did you, Dave? No, I didn't. No. The water actually breaks down your grease. Or your Absolutely. Water. Wow. Absolutely. Well, I know, you know, from being a little boy in my grandmother's kitchen with her. And um, of course, I don't know if you even know this or not, Neil, but my grandparents, when I was a little bitty boy, owned a boat dock in real quick way. I did not know that. My grandfather, uh, as a hobby, he didn't do it for a living. He actually bought the boat dock and the bait shop and stuff right. to give my grandmother something to, to keep her off his ass, I think. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, so we grew up eating crappie and brim and even bass taught out a real foot leg and, and my grandmother i mean we she would always take those crappie and for us it was usually whole right we would, we right. would scale them and we would you make a certain cut to go through and take the insides out of them and then also where you can lay them open and, and you know my grandmother she would take those crappie and wash them off and then before she got ready to, to fry them she uh take cotton towels and dry off the outside, shove it up on the inside. Absolutely. Get all that water out of there. So that's why. And then breading you're breading the fish. Yeah. You know, there's how many methods are there out there to bread a fish? What's you your know? favorite? Hundreds literally. We've already established that you like to use a two thirds, one third. I like to take a big yeah, two thirds, one third on the flour cornmeal mixture, and then the herbs of your preference to put in there. And I just like a just a big old pan to put it all in and and bread it in that way. But you know how many times I bet grandma I bet she did it in a paper sack. Exactly. You did it in a grocery <laughs> sack. My grandmother gave yeah. oh you saved, of course, they were children of the depression, so they saved everything. I mean, we ate everything. You know, her favorite part of the fish too. Uh, well we'll come to that Wait. back that in a minute. I don't want to get us down a rabbit hole here on a tangent, but um oh yeah, she had a grocery sack and she um she actually was about 60, 40. She was very close to you. Right. Uh, she would she would do a little bit more yellow cornmeal, and she always used yellow flour, not white. Right. As you said, right. and uh, and she would put it in a paper in a paper sack. You know, you don't get paper anymore at the grocery store, but uh, you just get those. Paper. They have a choice. You get paper or plastic. Yeah. 
Here, we don't even get a choice anymore. It's just plastic or plastic. That's it. Yeah, or bring your own. Bring your own is becoming popular. It, it, it is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I go in there, she sort of takes stuff out, not takes stuff in. But anyway, she'd put that in that paper sack. She'd put her, her branding in there. And then she would just reach in. Uh, she had these big tins uh, with salt, and uh, she ground her own pepper. Right. And she'd just reach in and grab some and throw it in that sack. Throw those fish in there, fold over the top, shake okay, that thing that's up. Right. That's exactly right. I can see my grandparents doing it also the same way. But you know now they sell they sell some commercial made deals that mm -hmm. you put the fish on one side, the breading on the other, and you shake, 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 and and that's me. Just give me a big pan. Just yeah. give me a big pan, and I roll where I roll that fish, and I like to put my fish in there and put pressure on it, so I press it down into that flour and cornmeal mixture. And wow. where it sticks a little bit better mm -hmm. with that dry fish, mm -hmm. but I do. I like to pat that fish down into that flour mixture. So, wow, that's pretty neat. Maybe that's why your catfish fillets fried are so great. Uh, I don't know about that, but anyway. So, if you're doing say catfish uh, versus a, a more white style like a crappie or brim, is there anything different you do to your breading? No. There's nothing I do to my breading. Now, the temperature of my grease, I adjust a little bit. Because on your whole fish, you need to slow it down just a little bit uh, where it'll cook all the way through. Mm -hmm. But in the flags, they just, you know, they flash cook. And they're up right quick. So, but, but that's the only thing I do different. What temperature do you want your grease at when you're frying fillet? I want 350 for fillets. How long do you drip, leave them in there if you drop About, those, let's say, two and a half, three minutes. That's it. That's it. So get it three fifty. Or do you want to do like the old timers said, let that fish float? Yeah. <laughs> get that that in your hush puppy. That's it. Let that fish float. So yeah. Yeah. get it good and crispy. Yeah. Um, what kind of pot do you use? Well, I've got not a commercial rig, but I've got a home built pot that I've it's a big square, holds about sixty five. Steel or aluminum though? It's steel. Steel. It is called raw. Yeah. It is steel. So have you ever seen one of those, Dave? Yeah, I haven't. You know, we could actually, we'd have to get the steel because all of our stuff's aluminum, but it'd be pretty easy to whip one of those up in either the Mud Buddy or the Excel Boat Shop. But I've seen his in several commercial like it, and what they do is they take sheets of uh, sheets of steel and they they cut out the sides, and they're not round. Yours is square. Mine, mine, rectangle. 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 Right, right. They cut out the sheets, and then they weld them together. And so it looks like a box without a lid, but sometimes they even make lids um, for them. Right. I don't have lids for mine, but but, but they do make them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I like the steel so much better than the aluminum. You don't get the hot spots you get. Once, it get, once that steel gets hot, it's hot, hot all over it. Don't, you don't get a hot spot, like you said, with aluminum. Yeah. I, I personally, because I like that, um, I didn't mind. I've got two or three uh, big cast iron. Actually, they're like Dutch ovens without lids. A couple right. of them do have lids. And that's what I like to fry my Absolutely. fish in better than a pan. That Dutch oven is deeper. The, it heats evenly. Got that good, even heat. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Dave? What are you frying? Or do you? Do you? Uh, in a frying pan. Frying <laughs> pan. That's what you put those trout in. Um, yeah, I, I use uh, uh, a cornmeal breading and um, salt and pepper, and I, I like spices too. So I'll put some uh, cayenne um, or some uh, uh, what is that seasoning that's pretty popular? Paprika. Uh, 
no, it'll, it'll come to me in a second. But, Is it a commercial uh, yeah, seasoning or just a certain herb? Pardon? Commercial seasoning or is it just certain? Yes, a commercial, commercial seasoning. Use an old bay, yeah, old bay type seasoning or a. Yeah, sort of like an old bay. Yeah, right. I've used old bay. Right. Or, yeah. Emerald yeah. essence works well. My, my, yeah, and uh, season them up good, and uh, with butter in a frying pan, and throw them on there, and and uh, cook them up real quick. Like I said, a few minutes. But I'm not cooking for uh, big parties, you know, just a family. Just, so a yeah. frying pan is <laughs> usually <laughs> enough. <laughs> they cook so quick; it's easy to keep them warm. You know, fry them up and put them aside, and then uh, then get to them. You know, one thing you didn't talk about, Jay Paul, is sides. Well, we're gonna get there. Oh, we're, we're gonna get there. there. Okay. We're gonna get there in just a second. Commercial. Rub. That's the name of it. Butt rub. Butt rub. Butt rub. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Popular. I, I buy it whenever I go to Tennessee and visit my parents around Crossville. So maybe it's a a regional thing. Butt rub. Yeah, actually, no, I know it. I, yeah, everything's I'm, a little better with butt rub, you know. Yeah, we uh, my favorite of the commercials, and I like to make my own, my, probably my favorite of the commercials is uh, Chef Paul Prudhomme Seafood Magic, and it's good. On I use it in etouffee, I use it in gumbo, I use it um, a lot of times in my fish fry when I'm making my 6040, like grandma right, taught me. Right. Uh, I use it, and then you know, I like to fry. When I can get them, when I can catch them, I prefer whole fried crappie Absolutely. over anything else. And Dave, I don't know if you've ever had it, but even the skin when it's fried right tastes just great. And my favorite part, and I bet you could guess it. Actually, what take guess? Jay Paul, no, you want me to guess it? Yeah, what do you think my favorite part of that crappie is? If you eat a crappie like I do. I bite the tail first. Yes, that's it. Hell, I don't even know the tail. It's, yeah. big it's like a potato chips. Oh, my God. Yeah, same. It is. Blue, bluegill and fry them up. And yeah, the tails, yeah, you yeah. Gotta pass it. Hey, same thing. You eat the tails and the cheeks, yeah. That's right. But yeah, the tails is like uh, potato chips. Those are good. That is my favorite part. My grandmother, I can remember she would always ride the kids because if they're fried properly, that tail will just pull right away from the meat and the backbone. She'd mm -hmm. pull her tail off and drop it over on my plate where I could crunch on the end of that. And uh, and then there's certain sides so that, you know, around the country, I, I think they're kind of universal. If you're thinking fried fish out there in Utah or anywhere you travel, Dave, what are you thinking for sides? I can think of three. Uh, hush puppies. Hush puppies. Amen. Hush puppies, French fries, and coleslaw. Oh, yeah, and okra too. Fried okra. Fried okra. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty good. But yeah. around, you know, around here, Dave, it's white beans. Right? White beans. That's right. Damn, gotta have them. Okay. Yep. Yeah, white beans and onion yeah. slices. Some people like them pickled. Yeah. You ever right. pickled onions? Okay. Right. Coming that season too. Right. I'll be pickling cucumbers and onions all summer long to go with my catfish. Well, you know, a good pickle with, with fish is always good. Yeah. So, Dave, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you a really cool recipe too that uh, it's Neil's show today. So, we're going to get a recipe from him for a side. One of my favorite things in the summertime uh, when we're catching fish and frying, we go along with the coleslaw, the hush puppies, the white beans, stuff, is I take um, Vidalia onions and cucumbers out of my garden. By the Vidalia onions, I grow my own cucumbers. Peel the cucumbers, slice the onion, and break it into rings. And then I take a solution of 50% uh, um, white vinegar, 
50% water and a whole lot of sugar and some salt and pepper, very little salt, a little bit of pepper. And I put those cucumbers and those onion rings, just the raw onion, onion rings in that. And I put them in the fridge and I put do not touch for five days. Whatever the date five days away is, do not open until this day. And those onions, you know, caramelization is cooking, so that's not really the right word, although the acid in the vinegar does cook them. Right. The that's right. 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 They don't taste anything like the raw onion. I mean, they are so good with fish. And some restaurants, particularly as you go down through southern Arkansas and Louisiana, they they have pickled onions. Um, I know there used to be a chain of restaurants. I think there's still one in Maumelle, Arkansas, called Cock of the Walk. That's it. You've been to Cock of the Walk? Cock of the Walk. They're pickled onions. Madison, they serve jalapeno cornbread. You know, there's one in Madison, Mississippi. That's right. Sure is. Madison. The original, I think, was in Natchez. Right. I don't know if that's it's still exactly there right. or not. That's so, hush puppies are probably king. What's your hush puppy recipe? Oh, wow. Or can you share it? Would you have to shoot me if you uh, I really don't want to share that one. But I'll, how about how about I share a coleslaw recipe? Oh, let's hear it. Okay. I like, to, I like to do the shredded cabbage type thing and a vinegar slaw. Mm-hmm. With doing vinegar, like you said, about 60%. Vinegar, 40% water, cup of sugar, tablespoon of dry mustard. Put this on the stove and, and bring it to a bowl. Cool that solution and then pour it over your shredded cabbage. With a And in my shredded cabbage, I'm going to have a little onion and a little bell pepper. Yeah, me too. Salt, pepper, a little celery seed. Let's go. Yeah. Let it soak it down. So it, it makes it even better. So. I use celery salt instead of regular salt in mine. Do you? To get the celery and the uh, salt. I just, yeah, you know, I'm a salt guy. Yeah. So. I hear you. All right. Do you like your, uh, do you like coleslaw, Dave? And if you do. Do you oh, put- yeah, I love coleslaw. Yeah, I, I like it. That sounds like a good recipe because I prefer that type over the more creamy coleslaw. Right. That was my right. question. You a creamy coleslaw or yeah. a vinegar slaw? Vinegar slaw any day, yeah. Yeah, creamy slaw is okay. Maybe maybe more with burgers and stuff, but uh, yeah, vinegar slaw I think is. Yeah, if I mean, uh, it just tastes a little fresher. It's better with fish. And, I agree. I agree. Totally. We're all we yeah. all concur in that. So what about right. what about white beans? Now your white beans, do you just do you buy the dried white beans? Dried white beans, soak them overnight. Northerns, right? Great Northerns. That's Great right. Northerns. That's right. White beans in the south. Great Northerns on the other side of the river, but mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, soak them overnight. And bacon grease. You know, in the South, we cook with a lot of bacon grease and sugar. That's all. That's one of my sayings. In the South, we put everything. Sugar and bacon grease gets gets in everything that we eat around here. So you know, it's just, we're in the South. Hey, what what can I say? But uh, but taking those white beans, letting them soak, drain that water off. Bacon grease, chopped onion, a pinch of sugar. Here we go. Salt and pepper. Yeah. And if you got a little ham hock. A, a few ham hock pieces in there, and then slow cook. Here we go. Mm. Can you even buy ham hocks in Utah? No, no. <laughs> you might be able to find them. No, I haven't seen them at the grocery store. <laughs> no. In every grocery store here, you can find ham hock, and in a lot of them, it's in the five for five section. That's, that's exactly, you're exactly right. <laughs> that's where it's going to be. But, you know, uh, I'm, my son-in-law, tonight I'm actually cooking fish fowls. Really? And he likes everything a little bit spicy, and he prefers greens with his uh, fried fish than, than coleslaw. Well, the restaurant you were just talking about, Jake Paul, I mean, that's one of their specialties sure. with the catfish, turnip greens. And, and of course, you know, we're here in the South, so 
turnip greens. Uh, you can go right there with those white beans, you know. But uh, again, yeah. that's hey, bacon grease and sugar, baby. Well, that, that's it. So tonight, I'll I'll buy bags because I hate having to wash them. I like it already washed. Okay. Turn there's a lot uh, of washing. Yeah, it is a lot of washing, but there's so much better though, Jay Paul. And just get that fresh green. No, no fresh. I'm not talking frozen. I mean, oh, I love okay. the boys at Pixley oh. down the road. No, I'm not no. talking frozen. You're going to get fresh drinks. The free wash. Right? Fresh okay, all right. There we go. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get about three or four bags uh, tonight, and I've got a huge stainless steel pot, and uh, I'll bring some water to a bowl, and uh, I'll take a, a big spoon, and I keep baking grease in uh, toffee containers. i probably got five of them with baking grease, so we always save the baking grease in the fridge, and I'll take a big old spoon and I'll take a huge chunk of that bacon grease and I'll throw in my bowl and water. And then when it gets to a bowl, I'll throw those greens in there and I will reduce it to a simmer and I'll leave them in that uh, covered for about half an hour. And uh, then I'll, I'll uh, I was uh, recently had a buddy that was in Alexandria and Lafayette, Louisiana. He brought right. me back some fresh andouille sausage. And I'll slice that up and throw that in there with them. That sounds good. Instead of uh, instead of some type of fork, and let that cook for about another half an hour, and uh, then I'll drain off most of my water, and I'll add salt and pepper, and uh, I'll just take a big spoonful of sugar and throw in there, and boom. But it's got to have bacon grease. It's got to have sugar. That's and it. Salt and pepper. Yeah. You know. Now my that house will reek for the next three hours because yeah, nothing smells good about this can turn a cream no, Absolutely you're you're yeah. absolutely right. I can still remember walking in grandma's house and smelling them greens good. How can something that smells so bad cooking it taste so them. good on the plate? Beats me, but it does. I mean the only thing I can think of that smells really is the, the worst thing in the world I've ever is, is when they're cooking chitlins. I just can't stand that. But I can't stand the taste of them either. No, sir. I'm not going there with you. <laughs> Listen, I'll eat about anything. I love rooster fries. I like mountain oysters. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> and, and those, by the way, uh, mountain oysters are uh, goat testes. Rooster fries are chicken testes and fried. I mean, you like rooster fries, man. Absolutely. I cook, I cook You cook a nut supper every I, Hey, I cooked bull nut supper out here the other night. And you didn't invite me. Damn. I didn't know you liked it. <laughs> when you come to town, that's what we'll have to do for you, Dave. Have you ever had have you ever had a nut supper? I have not. I have not. I have not had those. So where do you where do you get those? You, you know, obviously so, don't go to the grocery store and buy those. Well, and they're really easy to get after after the uh if you know cattle farm or uh after they calve, they'll come in and they will uh castrate their their steers and basically i mean i've watched them do it hundreds of times they just take a really sharp knife and boom and and they'll have a bucket there that they're throwing those testes in and where did those come from you cooked the other night my house how did you get them i cut the steers exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, you get them fresh hey if you're cutting the steers you're going to keep those. Well, they, don't, they don't grow back, do they? they, don't, uh, no, they no, don't. no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, 
know, the great thing about a podcast versus TV or just regular radio is we can talk about anything we dang well please. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeffrey, you've got to put that in this week's description, you know, stay around to the end. So, all right, look, we're about to run out of time here, but before we go, I got two more things that I want to ask you about. And Dave, uh, I'm going to give him a shot or two as well, because I've been talking over him. I apologize, brother, although he's used to that crap. But uh, the first question is, so you catch a bunch of fish, you're fixing to leave town, you're not going to be able to eat them all while they're fresh, you want to save them, what do you do? I mean, do you ever cook previously frozen fish? Yes. What? I do it all the time. Okay, so what do you do to I, make sure I that think they per, stay? Per, personally, this is just personal, you know. Mm -hmm. I like I like adding that water, that freezer bag, and and, and uh, freeze them in in some kind of water. I think it protects that fish from getting freezer burnt while it's in the freezer, but but I think it helps hold some of that flavor there too. Just I, seems like to me. What about you, Jay Bob? I, I agree. You know, again, going back to my childhood, we would take uh, gallon plastic. Uh, Turner Dairy's ice cream, gallon ice cream containers in these plastic tubs, and uh, we'd take those crappie and put them in that tub, and Mama, she would always make sure that she saved a little bit of room at the top when she put that lid on there, and then she would put a, pierce a tiny hole in the top of that top, so when that water would expand when it froze, it would not pop the top off of it. It would give it room to expand, and it would put space between those fish and then you know you could buy the little square plastic containers uh we would do those for fillets and to this day that's still the way that i pre i never do it in a freezer bag i do it in plastic tubs hmm. you know on that same topic how many days can you refrigerate fish before uh going bad uh rule of thumb rule of thumb there dave that's five days i'm not gonna go past that fifth day three for me once you start smelling up your fridge, then it's... Yeah. And, <laughs> we, uh, we, know, and we all know a fishy fish is not a good fish. No, it is not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it takes a little more seasoning. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not even going to go there. I was going to ask you what the blind man said when he walked by the fish. No, we're not going to that alone. Yeah, we'll leave <laughs> <laughs> We know where that's going. Yeah. So, anyhow, yeah. Uh, um, I, I won't go over three days. Yeah. And I keep my refrigerator. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I bought one of these super high end, you know, big, uh, professional series stainless steel refrigerators that you can control the tin. I keep mine, uh, the main compartment of it at 34 degrees. Right. Because I think everything that's just right there above that freezing point keeps better. But even fish three or four days, or I'm going to put them in the freezer. The exact opposite of game. I mean, you know, I've said on this program before, a lot of times I'll take my ducks and draw them and hang the whole duck after I draw them. Uh, sometimes for, you know, a week or 10 days. Absolutely. As long as it stays cold, it's not going bad. It's not going bad, but the fish is just the opposite. If I can't, I, I'm with you, man. Five days at the very outside. Yeah. And I think certain species keep better than others. I think that uh, the softer the texture of the meat in the fish, the shorter that it keeps. You know, Absolutely. trout in particular, I mean, and, and then when you talk about saltwater trout, like speckled trout, a day is all I'm going to do. That's right. After a day, that's going to firm up in that good cold refrigerator by that second or third day. They 
started to degrade really, really bad. Yeah, it's loose, total flavor. I mean, they don't have any at all after you get past the second day. All right, well, that brings me to question two. So what about the cast nuts? How do you preserve those? Well, hey, I do them just like I do that fish. I put them in a bucket. After I've drip cleaned them, mm -hmm. I put them in that bucket, put a little water in them and freeze, and then bring them out as I need them. So, but uh, yeah, I've got a five-gallon bucket sitting in the freezer right now. <laughs> I've, I've already got them, okay? So when you get here, we're going to eat some bull nuts, okay? He's coming next month. Right. Next month, you're going to be here next month. Perfect. We'll save them till then. Yeah, Glenn is already right. okay with you being here for the groundbreaking. Don't know if you do right. that or not, but uh, he and I talked about it. Yeah. So we're coming to meals, and we'll have fried fish and fried bull nuts. How about that? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing I'm like that. White, white gravy and biscuits. Oh, oh like hell yeah. Man. That's what I'm talking about. Sawmill gravy and big old cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be some good. It's making me hungry. Yes, sir. So before we let him go, Dave, your turn. Anything you want to know about? Oh, man. Um, I put you on the spot. I'm sorry, but I've been asking all the questions. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I wanted to give you your yeah. shot. <laughs> no, there's a lot of interesting, uh, I mean, we're, we're lightweights out here in Utah. We're, 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 uh, it's more meat and potato country out here. I mean, I, I'm jealous. I, I just love the food whenever I go south, when I visit my parents, Tennessee or Hedford or go south, Arkansas. I just, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, actually jealous that we can't find that kind of food around here. Not uh, that creative. We're we're pretty boring out here in Utah. So it's pretty interesting uh, topics. Well, I tell you what, Neil, you guys have the best food and the best uh, best cooks in, in the country. Thank you very much. We really do have that, and I've got one of the finest around here sitting beside me at the table today. Really glad to have him. I'll tell you this, Dave, too. Uh, he does a lot of wild game suppers as well. Uh, deer. How many elk did you kill? I've killed three, actually. I've had uh, twelve elk killed in front of me that I've called up, and other people have killed. But but uh, I've killed three. Actually. So I'm sure you got a really really good breastie for elk, go Monaco. Ooh, ooh, yeah. So I can do that. All right. Yeah. So here in a few weeks, it gets a little bit closer to hunting season. I'll tell you what, Dave. We'll bring Neil back. We'll come back here to the restaurant, and uh, we'll do another podcast with him. We'll talk a little bit about wild game cooking here in a few weeks. Now, for those of you guys out there listening, I'd like you to be sure to go to our Facebook page, both Sailboats and Mud Buddy Motors, and uh, be sure and like them. Also, uh, today, there's still so much that we didn't get into. So when we put up today's podcast in the iTunes store and uh, on our YouTube channel. I'm going to ask Jeffrey to also put the podcast up on the uh, Excel and Mud Buddy Facebook pages. If you've got any questions that you'd like to have answered about preparing fish, ask them there on our social media pages, either on the Facebook page for Excel Boats or Mud Buddy Motors. I'll follow up here in a few days, take those questions, run them back by Neil, and uh, share his answers with you on our social media. So, uh, you know, we're going to follow up on this. I'm sure there is a lot of feedback to be had out there. But uh, in the meantime, we'll definitely have you back again. But, uh, oh, man, thank, thank you, buddy. Thank you. I've really enjoyed today. Oh, it's been it. great. It's been a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, and I can tell you, on behalf of uh, both uh, Dave Reynolds and myself, I want to thank you and everybody out there for participating in this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.